By embracing their natural strengths, women advisors are upending the status quo and challenging the financial industry with a more authentic approach to doing business. Welcome to the Femex Advisor Podcast, where we empower female financial advisors to fearlessly embrace their authentic selves. Adri Miller-Heckman, the founder of Femex Advisor, inspires and empowers women to leverage their natural strengths, creating more energy, passion, and success. Follow along for female-driven, inspirational, and motivational strategies for you to create the extraordinary life you have always wanted. Well, welcome everybody to Femex Advisor Podcast. I'm Adri Miller-Heckman, founder of FemexAdvisor.com where women advisors fearlessly embrace their authentic self. Now, my guest today is a powerhouse. She's actually a kick-ass woman, super mom, amongst many other terms and names. Many would say that she is my direct competitor. And because she, too, coaches financial advisors, primarily women advisors, but we're both on a mission to change the environment and success rate for financial advisors. And it's this mission that really unites and encourages us to support each other. So my guest today is Robin Crane. She is the founder of the FEM Mentorship Program, which stands for Female Empowered moneymakers, and a four times number one best-selling author. Welcome to the call, Robin, and thank you for taking time out today to share your story. I'm so excited. I can't wipe the smile off my face because every time we have conversations like this, we have so much fun. I had you on my podcast and then to come here, I'm like, I'm so excited. I can hardly contain myself. So this is great. Thank you for having me. Take us to the beginning, right? You were also a financial advisor. How did you get to where you are? Quick summary. Yeah, I became a financial advisor, got licensed in late 2006, and then started in 2007. So my after one big year, then it was like, oh, welcome to the real world of markets crashing and the worst you oh. know, in history in 2008. So that was my real experience after being in the industry just a year or so. And regardless of whether the market crashed or not, I was struggling to grow my business. So it was just hard. I actually jumped into an independent firm and they told you, if you do everything we tell you to do, then you'll be successful. It's very much black and white, which as a competitive by nature person, I was like, sweet, I'll follow the system. I'll do it. And my big goal the first year was to make (laughs) $60,000. And I was really excited about that. And my boss who actually surprisingly was a woman was like, $60,000 $60,000 and you aim a little higher. I'm like, girl, I was a singer songwriter last year. This is huge for me. Like I was couch surfing. So this is big. I, how I got to become a financial advisor is just a weird transition. But once I did that, I was really like the idea of helping people I was super motivated to help people with their money and learn myself. And then after a few years, I actually had other coaches and got decent at it, but I even did it in an unconventional way. Like when I first made $100,000 a year, I was doing a lot of money coaching, not just your traditional financial advising. And then like after hitting a hundred grand or so and having a coach to help me do that, I'm like, I got this. I can do this on my own. And, you know, we get all cocky and we're like, oh, we learned everything we needed. And little (laughs) did I know with all my mindset and all the things and like getting comfortable, I put the attention on all the wrong stuff. And then in one year went from a hundred grand, it was probably even 125 to $40,000. And I had only because I had AUM and I was like making some money off that AUM. And I actually was like, I did had one client pay me $500 for a plan that entire year. 
And otherwise it was only recurring revenue. And I'm like, okay, wake up call. Like, I wow. Still <laughs> I still be coaching. So that was part, that was one of the beginning things, but that's, that actually transitioned into, I got coaching again. I did a lot of outside of the box things like money coaching, like I said, and built a different type of unconventional business, especially because I was, I had a coach who was very much outside of the industry. And okay. Then, so let me stop you yeah, there for a minute. I want to get clear on this. Love it. So you became a financial advisor. You started doing everything and yes, competitive. You're going to do it faster, better than everybody else. And then the next year, your revenues went down because you didn't bring in any. Is that accurate? Okay. And But in your practice, because you were independent, you were able to coach people for money? Yeah, it was innovative at the time. And I'm sure I wasn't the only person doing it. But what happened was I was living in the Bay Area and I was, when I first started, I was 29 years old. And so the clients that I started to go after, I accidentally fell into niches, which I'm a big believer into target marketing now, because even when I wasn't doing it right, it had pockets of niches yep. that got me business. Okay. So the first niche was a good friend of mine. She was a teacher. I was 29 years old. And so I got her clients. She was a climber and a teacher. And so they were all climbers and, but they were working for like North Face and Jansport in the Bay area, making a hundred grand at 28 years old, not knowing what to do with it. And so that was my first little niche. And then I really up-leveled it to parents of young kids. And I actually created something called Money Parenting. And I would go do talks and speak about how to talk to your kids about money. And it wasn't just about allowance. And it was more about how what their beliefs and behaviors were and how that would influence and imprint on their children. And so if I could shift their beliefs and behaviors and money coach them and help them do put more attention on shifting those things, then they had a better chance of being successful themselves and also imprinting those beliefs and behaviors on their kids. So when I first did it, I was licensed to, to do financial planning. But actually, my boss said to me, this is an outside business activity. You're not doing traditional financial planning, even with the series, what was it, the 65 or whatever. She said, this isn't financial planning. You have to get this approved as an outside business activity. Like beliefs and behaviors and outside the box things, having them track their money and communication exercises with their partners and things like that. And so at first I was annoyed because I had to get an outside business activity and then I did it and I started charging more and more. And I charged a thousand at first, then 2,500, then 3,500, then 5,000. I started to build this money coaching program, especially for parents with young kids. And I got to a point where I was like, I'm giving away because I was at a 70% payout. I'm giving away 30%. And I'm doing all the work and I created this. And so I actually I tried to make it work with my broker dealer. They said no. And so I moved to a new broker dealer and was able to get 100% of that work. And so when I even first hit hundred grand, I had some assets under management, but a lot of it was money coaching and a lot of it was like shifted. So I, it was okay. Like, so as you're going good. through this, right? Yeah. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> you make it sound, okay, I'm going to try this. And I'm going to try this. Yeah. And I'm going to try so this. Easy. And I'm trying this. What were some of the scariest decisions you made? At the time, I think there were a lot of scary decisions. I think one of them was that I was coming up with different ideas that were very untraditional. And I think the scarier stuff happened later when I started coaching financial advisors, I think the scarier stuff, and maybe it's because it's not as long as, as uh, far away from now for me to remember. But for me, I'm going to go a little farther ahead and I'll go back is that when I first started coaching financial advisors, my I started doing Facebook ads and the guys that were helping me said, why don't you target financial advisors instead of just 
women entrepreneurs because you were one and it makes more sense because we're not getting much traction here with hate to say it, but broke entrepreneurs. And I said, I can't do that. I wasn't a successful financial advisor. Like I didn't do it the normal way. Like I did like money coaching and stuff. And I didn't have a hundred million under management. I didn't have a lot of money under management. And then I sold my business for not that much money. So I was really scared to now be a person to say, I can help female financial advisors when I felt totally like a fraud because I had didn't have a successful financial business. Like even though I got to hundred, right. it didn't feel like it was a traditional successful business. And they encouraged me to say, that's your asset that you did things differently. And it took me a long time. I argued with them a long time about that because I'm like, I'm not good enough for this. I should not be someone who's teaching them how to grow their business when I did it a completely different way and backwards way. So what pushed you over the cusp? What got you going? I think we just at that stage, I mean, yeah, I get it, right? You're being encouraged to coach financial advisors who actually know money and you want to feel as if you've done it yourself because everything in our business, well, I did this many assets, I did this much revenue. But what is it that got you to do it? Part of it is like for women, I really believe we need proof in order to really adopt the beliefs in ourselves Mm. and which is why it was holding me back. But I have little tidbits of moments that gave me more confidence and beliefs of what I was capable of. I remember this specifically because I had my first, I have an event called Positioning Yourself for Profits. We call it PYFP. The first time I did it was December 5th. I remember the date. so weird. I remember dates, but it was December 5th in 2015. And I was launching this FEM mentorship in February of 2016. So it was the first time we were having the event. It was a one-day event. I invited a couple clients who I was working one-on-one with. And then I had, I think, six prospects. So there were like eight women in the room. And what I thought is in order for me to provide more value to these women, I'll do a pre-call with them. It's really just to sell better, but to better understand what they want and what's holding them back. Because I didn't know how to sell. And then I knew I could deliver better. And this was before I was targeting just female advisors. So there was a coach or whatever. I and mean, most of them weren't financial at all. This one particular woman was an accountant for hedge fund managers. And she was making $2 million a year. Okay. This is December, 2015. At the time when I first had a conversation with her, the most money I'd ever made, and that was that year. And this was in November, right before was $150,000. This is my best year. I was like, please. A rock star. Yeah. Yeah. And I get on the phone with this woman and she tells me she's making $2 million a year. And I'm like wringing my hands. This was the phone. We weren't doing Zoom meetings. Yes, I did Skype sometimes, but not that meeting. And I'm like talking to her, but I knew how to ask the right questions. What is it that she wanted? What was holding her back and all these things? And she was working hedge fund managers, right? Making $2 million a year. And I was nervous the whole time, but our 15 minute conversation ended up lasting 40 minutes. And then when I went and did this event, like when I'm performing. And I mentioned I was a singer songwriter. I am in the zone. Like I am present. That's like my zone of genius. That's where I feel home. That's where I feel I can just be real authentic. Some people start to perform and I know I get excited. Mm. It's your brilliance. It's your brilliance. That's my brilliance. That's where I just feel like that is who I am. Like I'm a kind of a natural performer as Lisa Nichols said, which is really nice because she's a big speaker, but her name is Denise. She wouldn't mind me telling you that. So Denise came to this event. We had this event. It ended up really well. I think I got four or five out of the seven or six clients. Like it was really great. And it was at the time, I wasn't 
charging that much. So it was like my first, like I made $45,000 in the day and ended up ending the year with 200 grand. And Denise, she bought the higher ticket offer, which was like, I think at the time it's called M plus or something. And which was, I think $10,000 at the time, really like very minimal, but for me, it was a good amount. And she told me at the end, she said, that call with you was so valuable. She's making $2 million a year. She said, it was the most valuable conversation I've ever had about my business that I was buying whatever you were selling. Wow. I came to that event knowing that I, whatever you tell me I have to buy, I'm buying it. And I should have had a $50,000 offer, $100,000 offer. In the end, she ended up working with me paying $5,000 a month for a year. So I did $60,000, but she was like, just so sold on it. And even during that six month program, at the time it was a six month program, I would be nervous a little bit, but it's like when I got present and I just followed my systems of listening and understanding what they wanted, like even someone making $2 million a year, I could coach. So I think just from experience, and I talk about this with my clients, I call it your stretchy past because I always tell them that they must stretch outside their comfort zone to get what they want. Yes. Who am I to say that if I don't do it? And the one thing I am willing to do is to take risks and to stretch, which is why I think I've been so successful. And even when I'm scared, like I do it. So I was scared to work with her. I was scared to run the program. I was scared. uh, And then, uh, you know, maybe a couple of months later, work with financial advisors. But what I knew in my heart of hearts and that voice listening to me or talking to me that I do feel like is that true voice believed in me. That little voice believed in me and knew just do the best you can. And she needs you. And if someone that makes $2 million a year, when I'd only made 200,000 a year, that gave me enough confidence to keep going. And so when these guys said work with financial advisors, it's even today, I get doubts. I get, this won't work, but I know that's not in my authentic self. That's just fear. And so I've gotten to a point in my life where I can recognize that and say, okay, well, it's like a baby step. Let's just try. I think that's a really important message for every woman to embrace. And that is the more you face your fear and do things, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's leading you somewhere. And so eventually you do that. And when you're meeting a challenge, even today, you know how to talk to that fear and that the other side of that fear in most cases is amazing, is amazing. And you've got to start by, by not facing your fears and fears can be little baby fears or what am I going to say? How am I going to coach this person on this call? Or it can be hanging at your shingle and saying, I'm going independent. That's scary. That's scary. And, but you've always been fearless. Were you fearless as a child? I almost think it's like acting in spite of fear more than fearless. I actually feel like I sometimes have a nervous energy and my mom has a very nervous energy. And so I know it's inherent, but my mom always tells me the story about when I was two years old, I climbed at the top of the jungle gym and she was just like, Oh, but she let me do it. So it's similar, even though my mom has a lot of nervous energy and anxiety, she let me climb to the top of the jungle gym at two years old, even though she thought I was going to fall off and kill myself. There were things like that where I was always ambitious. Like I wanted and very gold driven, like the top of the jungle gym. Like I got to get yeah. there. Same thing. We were just in, in France and, and my husband and I, and we were in Paris and we got on these, those electric scooters and we're having the best time. And I'm like, at first it was just cool. We're like, just toting around, like going wherever I got a little bored. Cause like, we didn't know where we were going. And then we're like, go to the Arc de Triomphe. And I was like, yes. Yeah. So now, now I had a goal. And then it was like, yeah. 
10 times more exciting for me because now I knew we were going to get to a place to see a certain thing and now I can accomplish it. There's definitely that drive has always been in me, but it's not that I didn't have fear because I could recognize like so many fears. And I'll, I'll say go, going back a step, much scarier than even working with Denise the month before, which was November, that's when I decided to hire Facebook ad consultants. And now I want you to, again, imagine this. I had made $150,000 that year. I wanted to make a million. I was very ambitious. And I was in this little mastermind with these other women. And this woman said, oh, I know these guys are amazing. They'll help you get to that million dollars, but you got to go on Facebook. And I was like, all right, like I'll do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with them. The fee was $5,000 a month for consulting. Plus the expectation was that I would spend at least $5,000 a month on ad spend. And so I had made $150,000 that year by November, and I committed to a minimum of $120,000 in the next 12 months to try to get to a million. And I was shaking. I was like so afraid like of doing it, but I just, this is what, if I say I want that, I got to meet my risk to the the high goals that I want. And so I did it and even failed and failed the first three, four months. Like I tried to quit. They wouldn't let me, you know, all these things. But looking back at it now with the story with Denise, it's like, maybe had I not taken that huge risk with them financially conversation with Denise and what ended up happening with Denise, which was an even cooler story. I'll tell you in a second, but would not have happened because I had to push myself to be ready to meet someone who made $2 million a year. And then what was cool, it happened within, I think it was five months of us working together. One of the, at the first event, I helped her make a video on her website. It was a one minute and 16 second video. And someone saw that video. It wasn't intended for any merge or anything, but someone who was looking to acquire accountancies with hedge fund man or hedge funds found her because of the video and ended up buying her out at $6 million. Wow. That video allowed her to make $6 million. She wanted to sell the company in 10 years for 10 million. She sold it. I think think it was actually seven months for 6 million. She was so happy. Okay. So let me ask you this. Let's take this another angle. You coach financial advisors, right? I coach financial advisors. We focus on women. What would you say? And I don't even know the answer to this. I'd have to think about it is the most common fear that holds women advisors back. Judgment. What do you what mean? We're going to think. I think the biggest fear that women have, I say this all the time when I do my challenge, I'm like the biggest fear is the fear of judgment. What are people going to think of me? They're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm just trying to sell yes. them. Like they're just afraid of what people think. And I am too. Like I'm definitely afraid of what people think. What I've learned, and I'm very proud of this, is that, and this can get me to cry, is that Mm -hmm. I will never let fear stop me from impacting people. And no matter how much I'm afraid of what they're going to think, and they might not like me, that if that gets in the way of me helping and serving people and making a difference in their life, I don't care. So I only care to the point of, oh, that doesn't feel good, but I will push through that feeling of crap, a feeling of I'm not good enough, of doubt always for the sake of transformation. And mm-hmm. I actually had a coaching call with have a, a prosperity coach right now, because I realized I'm actually in a lot of scarcity and a lot of fear, like all the time. Like I think my go-to is to look at what's not working. That's 
my core, which has served me, but also hurt me. And it doesn't make me like always a happy person. And so I hired this woman and she had me take this personality test type of thing. And she's like, yeah, your processor is to look at what's not working, which has gotten, gotten you very far, but it's also holding you back now. And just recognizing this with myself and seeing that, like, she started to dig down. She's like, what is the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? And she kept getting down. And the worst feeling for me where I got to like tears was not transforming people's lives. This is like death to me. If I'm not helping people, I will die. And then she Mm -hmm. took me further. It's like, what if you weren't? And I was like, she's like, go just play this game with me. What if you weren't helping people? And I was like, I probably like wouldn't get along with my husband. I wouldn't get along with my family. I would just want to escape because if I'm not helping people, like I can't live. And she's like, but what would you do? And I'm like, I'd probably be living on the streets. And she's, and what would be worse than that? And I'm like, I'd be doing drugs. I'd be doing drugs. <laughs> I don't know. And she's like, and then what would happen? And she kept going. And I was like, this is so weird, but I had to imagine I'm doing drugs. I'm living on the street. If you're just tuning into this podcast, this is not the truth. <laughs> That's the scenario. Okay. But I'm doing drugs. I'm living on the street. And she's like, then what? And she, and she's like, what would you really do? And I'm like, I'd probably make druggy friends and then start helping them yes. get off drugs and get off the street and get a job or build a business and have the life they want and inspire them and encourage them. And she's like, exactly. So you will never get to a point where you're not helping people. And I'm like, that's what. And that's what drives you. That's your purpose. Yeah. That's your purpose. And that is so important for women advisors is to really get clear. Like, and I'm sure you've asked the same question from the stage. You'll ask a room full of 150 female advisors. Why did you get into this business? And it's very rare that a woman will say, because I wanted to make a shitload of money. Yeah. They all say, because we wanted to help people. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you mean help people? And you really have to peel like that coach did. Peel the onion back and really understand who is it that you really want to help. And then as your business grew, you have to raise the bar as to who you help. Absolutely. You have to raise the bar. And I would agree with you that judgment, the fear of being judged, the fear of not doing what everybody else is doing. You know, we talk about the peacocks and the penguins and we're these beautiful peacocks and we're in the land of penguins. The penguins only know what they know. Do not expect them to really know what drives and motivates you. You have to be strong enough and confident enough and clear enough as to what works for you? Because I love how you talk about you're going to, you're in Paris and without a goal, you struggle. That is your strength. It can be your weakness, but that is your strength. You know your strengths. You know who you are. The other thing I think what's really powerful, you have built a very successful business, but you are willing to share that the imposter syndrome or the fears or the fear of not being successful or the fear of doing something and it's a total failure, it still riddles all of us. So to think you're ever going to get over that imposter syndrome, let it go because we all have a little bit of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I was this week, I had to lay someone off, which I've hardly laid anyone off because I saying it nicely. I had to fire someone. Okay. And 
it was just weird. I had this conversation with her and I thought she was going to be a long-term fit and something shifted that I realized she wasn't. And I realized like, I was like, oh, but I can wait a few months and whatever. And then I like, that's not serving her at all. Yes. She's better off somewhere else. Like, this is not the right fit. And I really love her too. I just realized it wasn't the right fit, but oh my gosh, my fear of being judged and like her not liking me. And then my fear, oh, this is going to really hurt her feelings. I don't want her to feel bad as I'm being empathetic. And I just had all this anxiety and while I'm also sleep training my children, mind you. So I'm like, like, (laughs) I'm really like anxious. And then I had the conversation with her and it actually went really well. And she's, I agree, this is not long-term fit. And so it worked out perfectly, but all that had just been in me. And I just felt like it was building. And for the first time, and I don't even remember how long I went for a walk when I had so much to do. I had a new webinar on Thursday. This was, I laid her off on Wednesday. And then I went for a walk and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got on the my my WhatsApp line that we have our fems on. And I started talking to them and leaving this long message. And I just told them like how much anxiety I was feeling. And it, even though it was over, I'm like, and there's all this other stuff and there's so much doubt. And it wasn't just her, it was just other things building. And I, I just... I, I just vomited on like, here's what still happens with me. And cause I know I've gotten enough feedback to know when I'm at my most vulnerable points, I share with my clients and they appreciate it. I lost, they love it. Yeah. I lost $60,000 one day and to tell female financial advisors, I made a mistake and lost 60 grand in two days. is like ridiculous. And I was like crying in my closet, doing a Facebook live. Do you think that's a part of being a female because There's been the environment in the financial services is, I'm this big successful person. I have all these licenses and my life is perfect. But as coaches, the fact that you and I can support each other when we do the same thing is very unique. So do you think that's a factor, being more vulnerable, being more open is a factor for women? Or is it just our style? I think it's a good question. I actually think women's go-to, it's easier theoretically to be vulnerable, but because of the conditioning, it's actually harder for us. Agreed. We think we're going to look weak and then we're going to be judged. It goes back to that that fear of being judged. But I actually think like the way the world has moved, it's not just women. It's actually that marketing and vulnerability, the way that your people are marketing today, vulnerability is working better than beating your chest. Now there's a guy I know who's a copywriter and he was speaking at one of the masterminds I'm in. And he said, we've gone from direct response marketing, which is you see an ad on Facebook, opt in, give me your name and email, which I do, but using, Hey, this promise, this is going to be so amazing. Get these quality prospects, whatever. And then he said, we're looking for a direct response to emotional response marketing. And he was saying when, and he's a copywriter and he's emailing every day. And he's like, when I tell my stories and I tell my truth, and this is a guy and I open up to them, he's like, my sales are through the roof. And so I don't think it's just women. I actually think it's harder for women. Men too, like they don't think they should be vulnerable, but I think it's less of a fear of judgment. Like my husband, he's yeah, he's worried about anyone judging him and he'll be vulnerable and he'll be like beat his chest. He'll do both, but not every man is willing to be vulnerable either. But I think the difference is that men don't have this attachment to that judgment as much as women, just like, yes. oh, yes. I can't let them know. I can't let them know that yeah. I'm scared. I can't let them know that I'm weak. And it's so, not what they think it is. I, I, what God, we always go over on time because we, <laughs> awesome, <laughs> but What one piece, if you could give the women advisors out there one piece of advice that 
could transform their life, what would it be? Focus on the people that you're helping. It's really hard to be stressed when I'm thinking about Lisa and helping Lisa. I'm thinking about Mary and helping Mary. I'm thinking about Laura and helping Laura. Like It's hard for me to be stressed or concerned, even if I'm putting out a video and I'm imagining one of my new founds, her name's Laura, and I'm imagining Laura and her watching this and how it can change her life. Even though I'm scared of what's going to come out of my mouth, even though I'm scared of what someone else might think, if I really think about serving Laura, I can let go of those fears. And I think when we get stressed and when we get concerned, it's we're actually focusing on us. It's actually yes. a selfish thing. It's like, you're going to think of me. Like, who, it's not about you. Who cares what they think about you? And that's why I can always take the chances for the sake of transformation because I'm not in my head about me. Mm. If I think about how people are going to think of me and how stupid I look and all the mistakes I've made, like it's easy for me to do nothing and not put myself on there out there on social media, not do events, all these things if I'm worried about me. Like I'm wearing a, a sleeveless t-shirt with a, a flower on it. I was like, oh, I don't really care. I'm just having fun with afternoon. So <laughs> don't want to forget that part. So I really think it's like, when we can stop being in ourselves and just think about, and it's often easier yeah. to think about one person, then we can serve. And that's what we're best at. That's what like all the women I attract is because they want to serve. They want to help people. Like you said, yeah. in the financial industry. I know I can be having a terrible day, be in a bad mood. Everything's irritating me. And when I get on the coaching call, it's like total transformation, Same. right? Yeah. It's let's stop thinking about ourselves. So Robin, if any of the listeners want to learn more about you, your coaching, your program, where should they go? Go to robincrane.com. The best thing is robincrane.com. Spell it with a Y, R-O-B-Y-N-C-R-A-N-E. Hopefully by the time you get there, like the website's changed, but we're in the process of changing it. I'm not loving it right now, but when you go there and you love it, it's because we've changed it. The other thing I could just give a little gift. I didn't think about this, but I'm trying to think of the, oh, I, I think I got it. It's long, but you can put in the show notes. But if you go to femalefinancialadvisors.com, forward slash marketing dash plan. You'll get my seven step marketing plan. And that's better than going to my website, honestly, because you get something cool, but I have a marketing plan. It's actually really great. Especially if you have an established financial business, not just starting, it's actually looking at what you're doing, what's working, what's not working and some other ideas that you can do. And then it has a whole training on that all for free. So you can check it out. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love you. Love the call. You've got such great energy. For those of you that are listening, if you like this call, share it with everybody. If you want to learn more about our coaching, it's at femexadvisor.com. Robin, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Femex Advisor podcast with Adri Miller-Heckman. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Adri on LinkedIn. To learn more, visit Adri's website at femexadvisor.com. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Femex Advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.